So good morning and welcome to Parenting Podcast Live at Brentwood Oaks. In this 12-week session, we're inviting guests into our classroom to help us answer the question, how do I talk to my kids about blank? And then we're filling in the blank with topics that were selected through a survey by our class members. Uh, And so as parents and people who work with kids, it's critical that we learn to navigate these difficult conversations often with each other and then translate that to how we talk with our kids about it. And so this is not meant to be the end of the discussion. It's not meant to be um, all inclusive, but it's meant to kind of get things going. And Mm -hmm. we hope that everyone will continue these conversations with your friends and family going forward. Um, So with that being said, we have Mel here this morning, Mel Witcher. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) And he's here to talk to us this morning about um, how do I talk to my kids about evil in the world. And so a lot of us know Mel, but I just wanted to uh, do a little bio because there's a lot of this that I didn't know. He's had 31 years of teaching experience with band, history, Bible. He's in his 31st year at Brentwood uh, Christian Mm -hmm. School, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Currently teaching Bible and um, government and capstone humanities. Uh, He is in his 17th year as an elder here at Brentwood, so a very familiar face to us. He's been married to Judy for 39 years. They have four children. Emily is 19, and then three grown children, Daniel, uh, Laura, and Hannah, and those three are married, and as well as three grandchildren, Elsie, Scott, and Lucy, and then by God's grace, they'll be adding two more this uh, mm-hmm. this year through one through birth and one through adoption. Yeah. So yes. exciting yes. time in the mm-hmm. Witcher family. Congratulations. So first, just wanted to start by asking you, um, what is a good definition of evil? I love the, the irony embedded in that question, a good definition yeah. of evil. <laughs> that's but right, that's our, that. <laughs> well, actually, that's where I want to start is you... In order to know what evil is, you first have to come to an understanding of good. Genesis 1 and 2 say that God created the world, and again and again, he says, it is good, it's good, it's fitting, it's proper, it's orderly. Uh, uh, the term, uh, well, let me begin with a, with a short story. Uh, any of you know the movie Grand Canyon? Any of you watch ni- late night? Okay, never mind. I'm not recommending it. I only, <laughs> only know it from this one scene. that uh, uh, In it, uh, an L.A. lawyer played by Kevin Kline uh, is going home from an L.A. Lakers ball game, and he breaks down the bad part of town. He runs to the payphone. This is an indicator of how old it is. He runs to the payphone to call for a tow truck, and they say it'll be 15 minutes. He goes back, locks himself in the car, and then you know what happens A group drives by, they see him, they stop, they start harassing him, they ask him to get out of the car, he refuses, they show him very subtly that they have a gun, he gets out of the car, and about that time, a tow truck pulls up. Uh, The tow truck driver, played by Danny Glover, steps out and starts hooking up the car, and they start hassling him. Hey, we had other things under control, and he said, no, no, I'm just doing my job, and Finally, he figures out who the lead of the gang is. He, he pulls him over to the side and says, let me talk to you for a second. And he pulls him over, and this is what he says. Man, the world ain't supposed to work like this. Maybe you don't know that, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And that dude is supposed to be able to wait at his car without you ripping him off. Everything's supposed to be different. 
from what it is now. That's a good five sentence definition of evil. It's not the way it's supposed to be. If God created the world for peace, for fruition, for care, for good relationships, right? When evil entered the world, it was a disruption of that shalom. If we know that, then we can define, and here we get finally the definition. (laughs) Evil is any spoiling of that shalom, that good relationship between God and human beings, human beings and each other, and human beings and the creation. Uh, Any spoiling of that relation, whether it is physically, let's say by, by cancer or illness, morally, spiritually, or otherwise, that evil is a loss of this right ordering, this right relationship between all, between God and all that he's created long definition but that's, no, that's well and a lot of that is said in a way that we can talk to our kids about you know mm-hmm. it's not too high brow for us to translate to them mm-hmm. and so you mentioned when evil entered the world so where does evil come from then if it wasn't supposed to be this way where does it come from uh, there are there are many folks who talk about well god you know god created evil or that uh, there's sort of an eastern philosophy that well evil and good they're both opposite sides of the same coin uh no <laughs> i just Evil is a consequence, not an inevitable consequence, but it is a consequence of free will. Uh, I don't know about you, but when we had our firstborn Daniel, we were, we were ready to uh, raise him to be the perfect child. Of course, we read all the books. We consulted all the, all the, uh, all the experienced parents. We read all the Dobson books. Uh, so, so you guys don't even know James Dobson probably love. And let's see. Well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, is balancing of discipline and love and having to, uh, let's see, build, strengthen the will without, pardon me, break the will without destroying the ego, those sort of things. We read it, and then we had Daniel. (laughs) And uh, if you know anything about two-year-olds, you know their favorite word is no, no. That, that self-will, and by the way, I'm not saying that sin, because I believe sin is culpable evil, evil when you know what you're doing, when you realize that there's a standard. So sure. I'm, but, but there's something in them that says, no, I'm gonna exercise that will. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, again, I'm gonna do one more quote here, and then I'll get to, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, hand, handles this, even though it's a long reading, if you'll just give me a moment to read through this. He says, some people think they can imagine a world in which a creature was free but had no possibility of doing wrong. He said, I can't imagine that. If a thing is to be free to do good, it's also free to do evil. And free will is what made this evil possible. Why then did God give free will? Because free will, although it makes evil possible, is the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy that's worth having. A world of automata, creatures that work like machines, would be hardly worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight, compared to which the most rapturous love between a man and woman on earth is mere milk and water. 
and for that they've got to be free. Of course, God knew what would happen if, he, if they used their freedom the wrong way. Apparently, God thought it was worth the risk. If God thinks that this state of war in the universe right now is a price worth paying for free will, that is, the price of making a real world in which creatures can do real harm or good and something of real importance can happen instead of a toy world that only moves when he pulls the strings. Then in faith, I think we have to assume that the, the price must be worth paying. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it falls back to free will, us being allowed freely to choose evil, but then also in an act of submission and grace and powered by the Spirit to do true good. Mm-hmm. So. Right, yeah. And so for our kids, what is their experience of evil? <laughs> what does evil feel like to them in their lives? I think it, it goes back to this this definition of evil as being the breaking of shalom, the breaking of order. Uh, before kids even know really about good and evil, and there actually there's a passage in Deuteronomy 1, I, I saw it last night, where he, uh, where Moses is, uh, or God's take, having Moses take the children of Israel into the promised land, he said, these little ones who you were so worried about, the ones who did not even know good from evil are going to be the ones who bless. So there's, there's a process here. But uh, anyway, the, I'm sorry, I've got to go back to my notes here because there we go. Uh, before it becomes cognitive here, I think they sense it here. In fact, if you have two kids, you know what happens if you make two slices of cake, one of them that is bigger than the other. What are the words? It's not fair. Exactly. Okay, see, they know it. They know it. Their experience of evil doesn't have the moral you know, thing of ours. Oh, where does that come from? They just see that something is not fair. It's not equitable. Uh, so, again, I think one of our roles as parents in this is to make that explicit as they come to things that aren't fair, uh, to not just say, well, just deal with it, but rather, when time permits, I realize there's much going on, but say, why is that not fair? Are there other things behind this? Uh, you know, perhaps perhaps you get to stay up later because he's three years older than you are. Perhaps, you know, per- but we can explain that fairness has has more to it than simple equality. Number two, we can identify the good design behind the fairness, behind the way things ought to be. So not just identify unfairness, but go back behind it to identify the ultimate justice with which the world is made, which they are recognizing here, but they can begin to recognize here. And then last of all, we can gently, we'll get to this probably in a little bit, begin to open their eyes to the experiences of others. What about that one who you gained an advantage over? What about that child in class that others are treating unfairly? Can you see that? Can you understand that? What then can we do to work to to love justice, right? To act to promote God's shalom, this right ordering in the world again. So uh, those are the three things. I think they experience this disorder, mm-hmm. and that our role is to help them to turn that from the gut reaction to the intellectual, help them to see the good order behind it, and then 
help them to see experiences around them just in their community with their friends where injustice is being done and to step in there as the spokesman for the right and good. I mean, that, that's so true. We so often point out what's wrong with the situation mm-hmm. instead of taking a moment and pointing out what's going well. And you can't identify evil if you don't know the good that it's supposed to be like. So mm-hmm. that that's really help, a helpful point. I So something yeah. we've been doing in this class, Mel, is um, mm-hmm. these text-to-screen polls. So if everyone wants to get out their phone, we have one here. Um, and basically, you... You text the number 22333, put Reagan Ward 399, and then you text a number. So the question is, on a scale of one to five, oops, let me do it full screen. How hard do you work to shelter your kids from evil in the world? Sorry, Uh, I missed that. Whoop. Okay, I didn't touch it. So on a scale of one to five, how hard do you work to shelter your kids from evil in the world? And so one being, you know, not at all. I think my kids should be exposed to everything Mm -hmm. the world has for them. Um, And then five being like, you know, my kid is 12 and we still have not seen any movies or something Mm -hmm. like that. It doesn't have to be that extreme. (laughs) Um, But I will say, you know, with it depends a lot on age. Our kids are one and two. So we are very high on the scale right now. Well, you should be. (laughs) Um, They are sheltered from a lot of different things that the world has have not they've not been exposed to that i was actually it was interesting i was telling brandon this morning because elliot was singing the lord's army and she's like i'll never shoot the artillery and i was like well what is you like how do i explain to you what that means like i hope you never (laughs) have to shoot the artillery um but you don't understand anything about war and i'm not Mm, telling you anything about war (laughs) yet so just um we can kind of we'll get some responses here My guess is that the class will lean a little bit more heavily towards sheltering because this is younger mm-hmm. kids in this class. Um, but so my question for you is, when should our kids be learning about evil? And I, you've talked a little bit about unfairness at the younger age, but there's so much that they will be exposed to, especially when they get to school age. Mm-hmm. And so when should we be sort of taking charge of that conversation and being ahead of the game to explain some of that stuff to them. Does that make sense, mm-hmm. the question? Mm-hmm. I, I tend to, and again, I, I, I may be, uh, I'll go back, I'll say this several times. This is part of the, the good of the community, where as a group we talk about it, we say what we're experiencing. Because I'll tell you, uh, in my family, we tended toward the shelter. Mm-hmm. We, we did. Uh, but I... I'd, in fact, my bias is I don't think you need to introduce your kids to the evil. They'll find it. it it's, it's all around. What you need to be doing, first of all, is maintaining open conversations. What's going on? Hey, how did it happen? How, how are things going? And as, especially as they get older, ask specific questions. When they get to be uh, young adolescents and how, how did things go today? Fine. That's it. Okay, that's all you're going to get. You're going to have to ask about friends. You're going to have to be much more specific. And if you can get them talking, that's wonderful. But then be ready as things come up and, and have open eyes and, and <laughs> open prayers to the Father that he will alert you to things that are going on. Uh, again, a couple of stories from, from my family's background. I think Daniel was in third grade and just really into basketball. Uh, and uh, 
and uh, he would he would go by and uh, we didn't take uh, the magazine but he would go by and look at the sports illustrated and uh, this is as far as I know before the swimsuit issue <laughs> I just I, I don't know how to handle that one we just stopped look we stopped going by but there was a sports illustrated back I believe he's in third grade with uh, magic Johnson on the cover and it said I am not gay that was a conversation that was a tough conversation number one the topic of AIDS what is AIDS well it's this horrible disease that uh, you know that there doesn't seem to be a cure for it's picked up through s sexually uh, uh, at this point it seems primarily through same-sex relationships we had to talk through that uh, but again it's a context in which the world sort of brought it in and we had had a little bit of conversation about marriage and, and those sort of things so that this was not completely out of bounds but it was again he was ready to hear it because he asked mm -hmm. so I guess I'm much more leaning that way the other one in my family uh, we have uh, one of Judy's nieces who became uh, pregnant out of wedlock and uh, Emily was six years old at the time knew her just adored her that was a tough conversation balancing both we love this your cousin yes we're going to be there this child is wanted this will be part of our family uh, but also to balance out this cousin put the order wrong right there is commitment within marriage and then there's the, this physical intimacy and then there are children the order got wrong here said so we love her we're going to love this child but we're also going to be facing difficulties and I think uh, every year since then when uh, the Thanksgiving and Christmas are split between families we remember there's an order to the world and this order has been disrupted so I guess I my analysis at my point and this is again the wisdom of the community I didn't introduce them to evil I tried to have wide open eyes when it reared its ugly head mm -hmm. and again tried to present the good mm -hmm. talk about marriage talk about treating people fairly talk about uh, keeping covenant talk about keeping your word and then as evil <laughs> raised this ugly head, we're ready to respond. Mm -hmm. Well, and so do you think, we, we see here, we skew towards the middle, about mm -hmm. eight, eight yeah. respondents are in the middle, and then a little bit heavier on the four, we have nine respondents there, and then one for five, two mm -hmm. for a, a two. We have no respondents that say they don't shelter their no, kids at good. all. <laughs> good. So uh -huh. we... Um, but my question is, is there some sort of danger in sheltering them? So if we do wait for them to ask the questions or um, we wait till they're exposed to mm -hmm. some of this stuff, is there a danger in that? Yeah, yeah, of course there is. Uh, there is. But I, I'm, I'm, in our culture, I'm not as concerned about that one as I am this. And this is the other side of that is ignoring the evil around me hoping they didn't notice mm -hmm. okay I, I think we have to have open eyes and hearts when it presents in the culture around you and this is where you need to be paying attention to the news you need to be listening if especially if they're in middle school they're going to hear it right and keep conversation open keep discussing with the world 
uh, of what's going on in the world. And by the way, one last thing, and I put it in my notes here, I forgot. There, it's one thing to talk with your kids about different ideas. All right, it's one thing to talk about, it, to envision it, to tell stories. I think that's powerful. I think that's very helpful. We live in a visual culture with, uh, so with visual images in the magazines, clips on YouTube. There is something that imprints deeply in your mind. If you, if you remember the first time you ever saw a horror movie or something that you shouldn't, that's probably implanted there. The point is that goes straight in to the mind without processing, even if you don't understand it. If I'm telling you a story that you can't process, by and large, it floats through and you don't get it. If you didn't understand the terms, you can't imagine it. So I would be so very, very careful with images with my children. Uh, I would be very careful about internet access put it right there where in the room where everyone can see it, get covenant eyes or something on there to protect it, to protect your children. Because uh, my little Lucy knows how to turn on and off. Uh, she's, uh, I think, just turned two. She knows how to turn on and off that uh, tablet. <laughs> it's not that difficult. So be aware of the visual. And again, I do be open, be looking for that, be proactive. But I wouldn't be seeking out evil to announce. Mm -hmm. For one thing, they're probably, they may not be ready. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And I have one more question along sure. those lines before we kind of open it up to the class. I wanted to pull up here um, Psalm 23, huh. verse 4. Because as we're talking to our kids about the evil in the world, we, so, we want to give them um, hope. And we want mm -hmm. to give them that we don't want to scare them with it because mm -hmm. we know God has won. So what can we tell our kids about the way God will protect them from evil? We have here in Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm -hmm. And for a shepherd, that rod and staff were a guiding tool and a protecting tool. Mm -hmm. So what can we tell them about how God will protect them from the evil that's in the world? Okay, uh, excellent question. And again, I think it goes back to focusing on the good and evil as a disruption. So I would say the first thing you do is you point out how God has already protected them. Uh, pray for your, your family, the, the grandparents that love them dearly, that raised you, that, uh, that uh, love them and show up. Pray for the police, those who put out fires doctors, nurses, right? Help them to see that God has already put folks around them to keep this shalom, this good in order. Uh, and both by, both by putting the desires in those people's heart and then by giving them the skills. And I think if you can see that, that God, that it's not just this wonderful doctor out helping you, but God has given them the ability and the opportunity to do this. So help them see already how God is working. Number two, I would say put them in the stories of the Bible. Tell them over and over and over again how uh, one of the kids, one of the verses my kids memorized as a little kid is it. It's in Genesis 39. It's actually taking the end of verse 20 and the beginning of verse 21. It says, "While Joseph was in prison, comma next verse, the Lord was with him." Now, if I were in prison, I wouldn't think the Lord was with me, but the idea that God is mm -hmm. present even there that that when they were hungry, God gave Israelites manna and quail in the desert. 
that David, even, uh, even though Saul put a spear by his head, he protected him, he kept him safe. Did I say, <laughs> he kept him safe from Goliath. That the story of the Bible is not, the story of God's work with his people in the Bible is not of folks having carefree lives, but even in difficult times, God is present. And the last thing, so first of all, help them see it already around them, put them, help them live out that Bible story, help them see that in their lives. But third, remind them, and this is gonna be tough, that God is forever. And by his grace, we will live forever too. And that sometimes it takes a while because of free will, because God wants to bring everything together. Just like when they got sick, they wanted to get up and play, they couldn't. They had to stay in bed that day, but that's okay because God did make them better. When they break an arm, it may be you know, days, weeks before they can get out and do what they want to, but God is working help them to get in that mind that even in this tough time, God is working in the future. And even, and I think this is critical for when you face death and broken relationships, you say, God can't fix this. That God is not limited to this plane of existence. He's actually working beyond our immediate vision and circumstance. That can help our kids deal with the breakup of shalom, the breakdown of peace in this world, to mm -hmm. see that we're being prepared for a better world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you, yeah. Um, is there any questions from the class? Don't wanna hog all of Mel's time, but mm -hmm. I also have more questions for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so there are certain evils mm -hmm. in our culture that we are told are not evil, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, if you believe that they are evil, you are labeled as a bigot, mm -hmm. right? And there's very much an intolerance in our culture for the identification of that as evil. So how do you talk to your kids about like, yes, this is biblical, or this is not biblical, this is evil. However, there could be like pretty serious ramifications if you just you know, mm -hmm. so I'll put that out on the street for Yeah. <laughs> that's, a good oh, that's a good point. Okay. I, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, no, no, that's a it's great question. <laughs> that, uh, that one I had not come up with. Uh, I live such a sheltered life, I guess. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think it goes back to this shalom, this, this purpose in life, uh, this uh, position that God has created us for. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming part of what you're saying is, is the male and female, that, uh, yeah, that this is the way God created us. Uh, and I think what you communicate is both, this is God's good design, this is his purpose in shalom. Not everybody knows this. And then say, but do you know how when you start yelling at somebody because, they're ups because they've done something wrong, you get accused of being a tattletale, you get a, you know, I think, uh, what's the proverb? The right word properly spoken is like a setting of silver in a, a <laughs> I can't quote it, but I think you need to say, not that you can't say this, but that you need to be ready to say this at an appropriate time. That it's, it's not the appropriate time maybe to say that in a big class in front of everyone, 
but it might be an appropriate time, again, if you're talking with an individual with some, one of their friends who are struggling with this, is this right or wrong? So a sensitivity to the time might be. And the other one, and this is going to be also uncomfortable, is to say that uh, blessed are you when men say evil and revile you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. Blessed are you for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. So we're not looking for persecution, right? As my grandfather, you say, some people are persecuted for righteousness sake. Some people are persecuted just because they're jerks. <laughs> Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Don't <laughs> but look, for, participate because, be ready because of righteousness. That's a great question. I, wow, thank you. Well, and one thought. I think about how all the evil in the world, we don't want it to be on our kids' shoulders to have to fix all of that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so thinking about it's God, God ordered it. God is in charge of it. In the end, God is, you know, it's his place to to bring mm -hmm. everything back to, to redeem mm -hmm. everything to himself. Mm -hmm. and, and he's placed us in a small part of that to yeah. influence and help the ones whom we can. You right. Know. So, yeah. It's a heavy weight, all the yeah. evil in the world. It is. <laughs> anyway, we've talked about this in our um, with our teens. Um, Keith Stangling kind of touched on this exact topic with our teens because they are being told this lie mm -hmm. that because you disagree with this or because you don't approve of everything that this person chooses, then you are demonstrating hate or that you hate them. And so, I, with our mm -hmm. teens, we're having to be very explicit about just the principle itself like it is it is okay for you to disagree with someone and if they perceive that as hate that really is their problem you continue to love them you continue to show love um, but it's that discernment it takes so much wisdom to discern the right situation to be forthcoming about your belief about mm -hmm. a certain situation that the world sees as everything is fine or the wisdom to know like no you're twisting my words you know, that's, that's a big lie, but that's mm -hmm. our biggest prayer is good grief. Mm -hmm. Just for our kids to have the wisdom that they're going to have to start having at such a young age, especially for this particular topic. Yes. Anyway, so we're talking about that with our teens. I'm mm -hmm. feeling like it needs to happen even earlier and earlier. And earlier. Yeah, one quick thought. And uh, uh, even the idea of tolerance has been uh, is being misused. Tolerance now in our culture means you have to accept whatever goes on, accept us, me as a person. You realize tolerance in, in, a, in a scientific sense or even just doing architecture, tolerance is the deviance from the standard, right? In other words, if I'm off a, a, an eighth of an inch in a, in a building construction, maybe that's okay. If I'm off a foot, that's not okay. Right, but tolerance is that amount of deviation which can be accepted and still say, okay, within bounds. To be tolerant is not to say, oh, whatever you want. To to be tolerant is to say, here's the standard, but I'm going to deal with you as loving anyway. I, I want to help us both come to this position. Again, I have a quote up on my wall that says, uh, our discussions are not me trying to convince you of my position, or you trying to convince me of your position, but rather both of us seeking a third thing, and that is the truth. And I happen to believe I have the truth, <laughs> but I'm open to the discussion. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think part of this discussion is 
kids, which I don't have, that mm -hmm. like we accept an absolute truth and other people are operating under relative truth. Mm -hmm. And to tell your kids that these are the things we believe, but other people are operating under a different belief system, it seems like a critical thing to let them know. Like, um, just because we think this, other people don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're made in the image of God and God loves them, but they don't understand. And we can, yeah, that's a good, yeah. yeah. And Jen, in the back. Yeah, just as a, as a teacher, I don't know what the protocols are here at Brentwood, but I know in public schools we have that active shooter drills and that kind of reckless hate that we all have to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. Whether we're sitting in church or sitting in school or going to Walmart, how do you advise? I mean, we don't let our kids watch the news, but you know, once once they're doing these active shooter drills and stuff, they're going to realize that there's kind of an inherent danger in doing anything. Do you have any thoughts on how to talk about that, like mm. your personal safety? I mean, ultimately mm -hmm. we're we're, you know, children of God, we're protected, you know, you're, we're all, you know, our, our salvation is in the hands of God, mm -hmm. but your personal safety is potentially always not guaranteed. No, yeah, no. I, I would, I would, I'm sitting here thinking of two things that I would say. Number one, pray for your enemies. Even as you're talking about this, this evil, even as you're talking about the shooter, your kid comes home. By the way, my my little brother came home in the second grade and said he wasn't ever going back. Pardon me, first grade. He told my mom he was never going back. I said, why? Because they're having a fire drill. They're going to have a fire there, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> so, so she called the teacher and said, my son is scared. Can you talk with him? And she said, certainly. She made him the fire marshal for the class, which meant he was the last one out, which did not help. <laughs> so there, there, things that we say can backfire. But... I would say, number one, pray for our enemies, and, and even as it comes up, don't, don't let yourself fall into hatred of even the evil shooters, even the terrorists. They were made in the image of God. They're just so sadly misguided, and we need to pray for them. But number two, to say, but be ready to flee. This may never happen, but when you recognize evil, be prepared to flee. That's what Joseph did in Potiphar's house. That's what James advises in James 1, resist the devil and he will flee, right? But there's sometimes where we flee, where we run. So just, I think that's okay. But again, tell them the possibility of that happening in this context are small as far as an active shooter. But the possibility of running into someone who uh, wants you to do something bad <laughs> Is very possible. Again, I got one more personal story. I, sorry, this is. I'm getting to the age where I tell everything. It hits the story with me. <laughs> That's what we uh, want. Though, yeah. your, ex your experiences. <laughs> when my grandma, when I was, I think, I was like nine or ten years old. I went over to my grandfather's place of business. My grandfather and, and dad owned a TV repair shop, and I cleaned the floors and dusted all the televisions for a quarter a day. Yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, but while I was over there, my grandmother would sing hymns while she was working and she would tell me stories and try to prepare me for life and one thing she did she said mel someday i can hear her voice someday somebody one of your friends is going to come up to you and say hey you want to have a beer 
You want to have a beer? And said, and I want you to say, no, I don't want a beer. I don't, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian, and I can't. And I, uh, so anyway, so she said that again and again and again and again. You can hear it coming, can't you? <laughs> I was 17 years old. I was on a boat with a buddy out. We were fishing, which I never do. And he reached down. I didn't realize. I didn't think. He had a little thing there, and he pulled it. And I said, hey, you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> and my, my, my grandmother's voice was running in my head. And I said, uh, no, <laughs> I, I don't need artificial stimulation to have a good time. <laughs> Okay, I, b I backed off. But the point was, my grandmother prepared me so that when this situation came up, I went, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> okay. So I think part of this is, again, praying ahead of time, praying for the evil, not, not treating them as something other than a human being made in God's image, but also saying, look, should something like this happen, flee. Be ready to say no. Be ready to guard yourself, your integrity. Thank you. That was a good question. Well, and similarly here, I had said, like, at, in kids' shows, so so early they introduced the idea of bad guys or villains. Elliot mm -hmm. was chasing Brandon the other day saying, like, you can't get me, villain. Villain. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I don't know how to explain to her what a villain is, really. But, um, you know, we want our kids, I, we love that they are so, they have there's they're so loving to people they love mm -hmm. strangers they love everybody and at some point we do have to introduce to them that not everyone has good intentions and that there's a level of awareness that they need to have of the evil um so it's, it's sad but mm -hmm. it, it, it is, is important for their their safety and well-being um and so just in the last five minutes if i could just ask one more question sure. um what do you think, what would you say is the most important thing we can communicate to our kids when they face evil in, in their world, in their personal lives? Um, okay. Summarize uh, it all. Yeah, summarize <laughs> it all, yeah. No, I, I think the most important thing is, is, is to help our kids focus on God's good design, the shalom, the rightness that he made the world with, so that they can recognize evil as, as being not an independent power. Mm -hmm. It is not independent. I think it was uh, Augustine who said basically evil is a parasite. Evil cannot exist except as a perversion of a good. Even, uh, even the ones who commit these horrible murders are actually wanting to out of a misguided devotion to a God who is, is no God but rather uh, this power is, you know, and we can go into that. Even the worst sexual perversions are taking God's good gift and looking at it and using it in a way which can never, never bring about the shalom, the order that God created us for. So uh, help them to see the good design behind things. Number two, help them see that evil will be defeated. It can begin the process even now. I live in a much different world now than I did back in the 60s when I was growing up. Think of how many things have changed. Not all for the better, but certainly uh, I had one of my good friends was, was a black, uh, black kid that I went to school with. Uh, he lived on the other side of the tracks. I didn't realize how different his life was from mine. 
until we hit high school in the 70s and I started to see a bit of this and all of a sudden I began to say, wait, there's something going on. I was completely blind to it. I'm, I, I now see it. I think that situation is much better. Obviously, there are other things that are much worse. But I think to help our kids to recognize the good, then to be able to see when God's good order, good design is being, being misaligned. And then last of all, to make sure that they see that evil will be destroyed. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks back, David Hume's <coughs> three arguments. I think it's number one, we say that God is all powerful and he's all loving. Number two, evil exists. If God were all-powerful, he could stop it. If God were loving, he would stop it. Therefore, since evil still exists, and God has not stopped it, God is either not all-powerful or not all-loving. And the answer that I, I read, and now I can't remember the name of the author, but he said, of course, evil has not been extinguished yet. That is the argument. That's the story of the scripture. God reaching out to make things right. And you and I and our kids are a part of that. We are helping to bring about God's rule in this world. If we can help our kids see that, that is an ongoing story that they have a place in, I, I think we'll have given them a gift that is of seeing their life in the kingdom of God. Uh, I'll close with this that uh, we sing every few weeks out here, but it's the third verse. Uh, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for our kids. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mel. I appreciate you being here this morning. Um, Thank you. I, do you mind closing us in prayer in sure. just a moment? I want to say for next week, we will have Jeff and Jackie Boyd back in the ah. class talking to us about how do I talk to my kids about politics? So thanks for choosing that one class. Yeah, there. <laughs> Excited and <laughs> nervous, <laughs> but they're great. Um, and so we are glad to be having them back next week. And we hope you all will join us as well. So Excellent. we can close in prayer. All right. If you'll pray with me. Father, we come before you in praise and adoration, recognizing your blessings all around us and on us, and Father, we pray through us. Give us a sense and a, a vision of your good design, your purpose in this world. And Father, help us to pass that on to our children and our grandchildren, that Father, that uh, a generation yet unborn may praise your name, may tell your story. Father, in this world that uh, seems to be in, so many ways careening off its moral and spiritual axis. Father, we pray that you would use us and our children as, uh, as ways of keeping the order, as ways of reestablishing uh, a sense of, of, of purpose, a sense of faithfulness. 
Father, I pray right now for our children that you keep them from the evil one. And Father, that you not lead them into times of trial and temptation. But Father, we know that in a fallen world, those are inevitable. Most of all, Father, we pray that you make yourself present in their lives. Make yourself open. Give them strength and courage to respond in faith and trust. And especially, Father, give them joy to live knowing that in the end, you will bring all things together in heaven and on earth. In the name and in the power of Jesus, who through his death took on sin and through his resurrection begins to bring all things together. In the name of Jesus we pray. And all together we say, Amen. Amen.